Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I just, these are good people. Like I said, I, I wish I get a chance to get, be there in person with you guys, but I guess I'll just have to be there in spirit. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, save it for the podcast. <laughs> I love it. Finally. Taking, uh. Somebody's funny. Finally. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And Richard and Michael, uh, if you know the format, they like to debate the top four things of any given topic, and this week is no different, but it's a special spooky uh, episode because we do tape our podcast adjacent to a cemetery, and there's always this kind of odor of death in the air that wafts through based on rotting corpses and decomposing leaves and Halloween-y things that happen over there. And the subject we're dealing with right now is the Mount Rushmore of Halloween songs. Richard, who's our guest? So our guest is um, my friend Ryan Love, who is also probably our biggest fan. If you guys remember, we did the yogurt tasting on Facebook Live. You know. The thing that you all remember. You know, you, you guys remember, might remember that from us not being able to get the screen yeah. correct, and we were basically sideways the entire time. Yeah. I believe Ryan was the only person who stuck with us and actually watched the thing sideways. I love this dude. I've, I've known Ryan for online, at least for about 10, 12 years. We are members of the same RBI baseball message mm-hmm. board, the nerd board that I think we've talked about on the show here a little bit. Ryan also had a radio show in, uh, what, what college was it, Ryan? It was Greenville University in beautiful Greenville, Illinois. <laughs> Go Panthers? That's correct. Are you serious? No, of course you're yanking my... <laughs> I mean, you had as good a shot as any. Panthers <laughs> broad net to cast. Yeah. yeah. So, and Ryan is is someone who loves Halloween music, I think, as much as I know you do, Jeff. So yeah. he's he's got an extensive Spotify collection of Halloween music. He used to do Halloween-themed episodes of his Taco Tuesday radio show, so I thought he'd be a, a worthy adversary. Well, that's cool, and Richard is correct with adversary, because uh, they are eschewing their normal uh, positional stance with each other, and they're teaming up to help uh, attempt to defeat Ryan Love. So, uh, Ryan, you are our guest, so you will go first in starting off and saying what your first choice for Halloween songs is. First, I'd wanted to talk about a little bit why this topic uh, is such an important topic to me, as much as a frivolous topic about Halloween music can be important to a person. I just think I've been a musician my whole life, basically. I've been playing the piano since I was eight years old, and I've uh, been in jazz bands and the band in high school, which is the coolest band to be in, (laughs) as Richard knows. Of course. And played with a lot of cool musicians when I was at Greenville, which, despite being a small school, has had a fair amount of talent come through there. And uh, whether or not that translates to real-world success, I got to play in a lot of different kinds of bands. And as Richard said as well, I hosted a radio show for about probably 37 people uh, in, in and around the southern <laughs> Illinois area. How did you build and, that audience? We're curious here at the well, podcast. <laughs> Well, I, I, it's just all about the content. You know, I tried to put as much music on there and speak as little as possible. Yeah. I don't know how well that would work for you guys, but that's that was my ticket to success. All right, taking notes here. Less us, <laughs> more music. Okay, got it. So and these are all I your found, qualifications. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I found that holiday music, uh, Halloween is definitely the coolest holiday for music. And I don't just mean songs about Halloween itself. Any uh, With Halloween music, any song that talks about the night or death or monsters or skeletons or Dracula's any song in a minor key, especially D minor, which I find is really the saddest of all keys (laughs) is it's perfect for Halloween. It fits. You can build such a great playlist. They don't have to just be your traditional Halloween songs. It can fit the mood. It has a great mood. And I don't think any other holiday has music that really has as much variety as, Mm -hmm. as Halloween music does. So so I love it. I love it when October gets here and I get to bust out my extensive Spotify playlist, currently at 777 songs. You got to knock 111 off of those. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was at 666 last year, a very spooky number, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from adding to it. So 
I'm, I'm always adding new songs. So it Is was, it, per, it was, yeah. I would love, you know, at some point during the discourse, I'm fascinated by why I, I and I totally agree with you. I know many of our listeners would that, um, um, Halloween is a, a, a season and an idea and, um, a concept that lends itself, I think really well to like rock songs. And I think much of the thematic top, uh, topicality that's covered in rock is also covered in Halloween songs. There's stuff about, um, darkness and being an outsider or, um, you know, uh, kind of tempting. There's so much occult in rock, especially right. during a certain era of rock. So I'd love to hear any and kind so of discussion. so much occult in yogurt. That's totally true. That's a yogurt. That's a yogurt <laughs> callback, by the way. There we go. All right. So let's just Very jump cultured in. cultured of you, Michael. <laughs> let's just, Let's just jump in and let us know your first choice, Ryan. So my first choice, since we're going to do Halloween music, we need to have a Halloween party. And I thought, what better way to kick things off than with Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Love this song. Yeah, good choice. What I love about this song, uh, in general, is the, I love the groove of the song. The guitars, the drums, the horns, just kind of the relentless energy of it. And that's, you know, Danny Elfman, who's the lead singer and the songwriter for the, for the band, obviously much better known now as a film composer, not just with Tim Burton films, but he's, you know, he wrote the Simpsons theme song, the Tales from the Crypt theme song. The Desperate Housewives theme song, as I'm sure we all know and like to hum in the shower every every so often. Very Spook- well-known song. Spooky. Spooky housewives. Older women. Hysteria. Hysteria. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an Elfman. <laughs> it's it's just one of those songs I could listen to for hours on end because the just the whole thing is so hypnotic. It's such a fun song. Um, and and I just think it's, the it, lyrically, it's kind of about Halloween. It's got a line in there about a chauffeur who's saying there's room for one more, which is, of course, a reference to a famous short story by E.F. Benson about a man who's haunted by a hearse driver, sort of a premonition of his own death. Uh, the hearse driver is saying there's room for one more. So it's got that Halloween theme in the lyrics. And of course, it's literally a song about a dead man's party, a guy who dies and finds himself headed to a party with all the other dead people. That's really cool. What? A, that's a good choice and i think we're all kind of familiar with oingo boingo danny elfman's kind of sure. s- stayed in that theme most of his career yeah, yeah boingo is a great halloween band i mean they used to do halloween shows oh yeah here in, in southern california either irvine meadows or wherever mm-hmm. it happened to be his they last, were pretty legendary hit the, the last uh oingo boingo show was like on halloween back in like 97 oh, yeah. or 98 or something yeah. like that yeah, very, very much in tune with with Halloween and even like the Day of the Dead kind of um, tropes and imagery mm-hmm. of of on their album covers and stuff too. Actually, I think Dead Man's Party might have been had that sort of uh, 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 Day of the Dead uh, Mexican uh, yeah. masks and characters and stuff. Yeah, they love they, this song. Though. Yeah, they were a band that was able to pull off kind of. And, Gothic and, and a horn section. And a um, horn section and not sounding like being cheesy about it. Yeah. Coming you know, out. It's very easy for that to like just sort of drift into like novelty mm-hmm. kind of bullshit. Yeah, that's they never did. Same album. Also had Weird Science on it, unless that was a reissue or something. No, that's correct. Weird yeah. Science was the last track on that album, which was called Dead Man's Party. Uh-huh. And and the the song itself, you know, wasn't famous for being in a Halloween movie. It was in the soundtrack for Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison movie, of course. And the band appeared in the movie and performed. But I, the band itself is just is so perfect for Halloween because of the whole um, the whole experience of Oingo Boingo. Not that I have any real knowledge of it. I wasn't uh, going to shows in L.A. in the late seventies, but from what I've read. Uh, I do know the movie Forbidden Zone, if either of any of you guys <laughs> that film. I am familiar with it a bit, yes. Yes, uh, written uh, and directed by Danny Elfman's brother, Richard Elfman, and one of the members of the band, Toingo Boingo, was a co-writer, and the band was in the film, and they performed in the film, and Danny Elfman plays Satan in the movie. 
So hmm. that was the first soundtrack that he wrote, kind of got him his start uh, down the road. I, I like to think if, if Richard's familiar with the film, he might agree with it. Uh, I think that Forbidden Zone, if anything, it's a John Waters movie. If John Waters had been born in L.A. instead of in Baltimore. That's pretty good, yeah. So it's, it's, the, it's the band itself is piece. great for Halloween. Even if, even if uh, the song wasn't in a Halloween movie, it's still just it's instant Halloween classic for me. Oingo Boingo has appeared as themselves or a different band in several movies oh yeah like you said back to school i know they're in midnight run oh they were yeah they were uh, mosley and the b-men i know there's a couple other movies where uh, they've been like yeah. performing their song as themselves uh-huh. i think it's interesting to see so now there's a lot of culture regarding um you know you can go to the walt to disneyland and experience the nightmare before christmas attraction overlay on the haunted mansion so there's a lot of ways in which i think that kind of uh the darkness has been embraced in popular mainstream, but at the time when just looking at what albums came out in 1985, you had like Wham, Make It Big, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was Phil Collins, No Jacket Required, or Madonna Like a Virgin, um, Prince, you know, Around the World in a Day, Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack, just all this kind of like fluffy, poppy, neon. To be fair, most of the kids in my block went as Phil Collins for Halloween that year. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> just to put on a little bit of weight, put yeah. on a Hawaiian shirt, kind of got the bald thing on there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, cool. So, that was a great uh, first choice. And Michael and Richard, what do you got? Uh, our first choice is the Monster Man. For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It got on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble Oh well, which I think was when we were when we were putting the list together. It's hard not to leave off like the most iconic, even though it's kind of the most goofy novelty novelty song. songs um, by uh, Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers. Yeah. Crypt Kickers yeah. in 1962. Um, you know, Jeff. The other day you were talking about uh, we were talking about like uh, the Munsters and the Adams yeah. family, and like this whole like little generation of like sci-fi occult weirdness that kind of popped up in the 60s. Yeah. And I think this was one of those songs that kind of also tried to tap into this. Yeah. But then at the same time also tried to tap into uh, songs that were out there just to promote some sort of new dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like every other song was about the twist. a twist. Yeah. Uh, uh, doing mashed the, potato. This song yeah. was apparently, the, the monster mash was apparently about the mashed potato. Yeah. And originally, I guess it was called the... Um, the monster twist, but the twist was going out of fashion. Oh, that's hilarious. So it was just like, well, let's, uh, let's make it a mash. <laughs> and uh, it kind of sounds like the song Alley Oop. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, Darlene Love sings on this song. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think Leon Russell played on the session, but he was late to play on this song. So all these people who were making those songs that this one satirizes were actually part of this song. And Bobby Pickett was talking about the, uh, the, the, Providence of this song, he, he he was performing. He, he had a legit kind of career. What what I love about some of these Halloween songs is they're often done by people who have this legit career as a musician, and they just kind of do these things as a one-off. And at the time, novelty songs, which many Halloween songs are considered to be novelty songs, were being played on mainstream radio. So it, this was a number one song. Yeah, there was there was space for this on mainstream radio that there wouldn't be now because it would be weird. I loved I loved that like the fifties and sixties. Like rock and roll didn't know what it was. You know, we kind of yeah. talked about this in the surf songs episode where they were just like trying shit out. And yeah. it's just like, I guess we're singing about monsters now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's try that. Yeah. Well, it makes know, as much I, sense as car. I wanted to chime in about this because there's, you know, there, in the 50s and 60s, there were so many novelty hits that, that you know, charted on, on the radio, made it to number one. But there were also so many specifically Halloween themed novelty songs i think the monster mash i don't know if it was the first one but it certainly was the the one that was the most enduring of all of them the one that hit the biggest at the time and i doubt i'm stealing anybody's thunder by uh mentioning a couple of other songs like 
John Zachary, also known as Zachary, the old Zachary. Well, hold, the hold on. Don't, don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your roll. Don't step too far. <laughs> oh, I think we may have a choice uh, from Richard and Michael that, that uh, evokes that one you just okay. said. So that was something that was also on the radio. What else? Uh, Jackie Morningstar had a song called Rockin' in the Graveyard. There mm-hmm. was, of course, uh, just a number of other songs. Jumpin' Gene Simmons with Haunted House. There were a lot of... Mm. Not that Gene uh, Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, this, not the Gene Simmons. Jumpin' Gene Simmons. Yeah. Also a horror show, but different Gene Simmons. It also Simmons. seems like a, like a guy like Screamin' Jay Hawkins kind of made that his career of right. dwelling in that dark area. Yeah, and you yeah. also had like just novelty hits that were sort of monster related, even if they weren't Halloween, like uh flying like purple people eater. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite thing. I think my yeah, favorite thing. Purple people mm-hmm. My favorite my favorite thing about this song though is it starts out very similar to like the song Splish Splash, mm-hmm. where it's just something mundane. Yeah. Except the mundane thing isn't, you know, taking a bath on a Saturday night. Yeah. It's um, you know, building a Frankenstein monster yeah. in my lab and then all the monsters come over and party. Uh-huh. I saw this great take on uh Twitter. You know, it's as we roll into October, everyone starts to have like a a Halloween yeah. take. And the uh the person uh said uh there is no evidence in this song that this takes place in and around Halloween. This could just be a party in April that these monsters yeah. are coming out to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes it puts this whole song on like a yeah. in, in a whole new light to me. And she's <laughs> like, I can't wait to play this song in April now. This song was banned by the BBC when it first came out was it? for being too morbid. <laughs> wow, in 1962. <laughs> that, that pretty much sums up England and the pre-Beatles for you, right? Like, I yeah. say this song is too dark for my taste. First, we have to put up with this skiffle music, and now this. <laughs> oh, to be monocles. <laughs> I, I saw a great statistic. Did you know that like 64 percent of all songs? Uh, in the 50s and 60s the were, were about dance crazes. <laughs> oh, they were. Huh? The other 34% were about monster dance parties. <laughs> I mean, it's a fact. Just, <laughs> I, just look it up. Just Google it. Yahoo, Bing. That's all there. Oh, that's speaking, of, speaking of hot takes on Twitter, I also saw a tweet just today that was really eye-opening for me that none of us have ever actually heard the Monster Mash. We've heard the song about the Monster Mash. Yeah, okay. It's like it's like the tributes. Yeah, it's like the, the tribute song. <laughs> but Tenacious D. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, well, uh, uh, Brian, take us on in with your second one. All right, my second choice, a little more personal to me. Like I said, I don't have any firsthand experience with Oingo Boingo. However, the, my second choice is the Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Super fun song. Oh, yeah. yeah and, th- you know, fo- following up with Dead Man's Party, if you're going to go to a Dead Man's Party, this is another great song to dance to while you're there. I mean, like any great rock and roll song about a dance, it teaches you in the lyrics exactly how to do the dance. It's just a jump to the left. With your hands on your hips. Hey, Ryan, um, have you ever gone to like a live rocky horror show production oh yes okay oh yes good uh that's the personal connection for me and my wife and i our first date was actually at a rocky horror showing at midnight wow. in uh st wow. louis did you get yes, like did, we you, went, did you get divergentized then was that each of your first rocky horror shows it hey, was first not, date okay let's not <laughs> it's just a little too personal michael <laughs> It was not her first time there, and somehow I managed to slip under the radar and didn't get. Uh, you weren't brought up on stage get, and <laughs> humiliated. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I got to enjoy everyone else doing that, but I was uh, thankfully I didn't get subjected to that. So now every time we've been since, which we've gone every year since then, uh, except for the uh, except for a couple of years after my son was born, um, we've been every year in, in in St. Louis. So shout out to the Samurai Electricians there. And also in Nashville, where I live now, it's the Little Morals is the shadow cast here. So we've been a lot. We really enjoyed it. It's kind of our annual Halloween tradition. I was growing up in South St. Louis County, and they used to have slides before the movies that would promote uh, Rocky Horror being shown like maybe every Friday night at midnight. And I never got it then. And I saw it on VH1 one time, maybe when I was in junior high, just the 10 minutes of it with uh, meatloaf riding around in the castle on his motorcycle singing hot patootie. And I just thought it was the weirdest thing ever. And I, I never got it. And then I learned later about the whole midnight movie culture, how that kind of kicked it all off and finally went to see it. And 
then I got it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's one of our favorite things to do every year. We look forward to it. I, I, I may have, did I tell the story about me going to see Rocky Horror as a kid? No. Okay. So my sister, uh, was junior high and I was staying with her and her girlfriend in Bakersfield for like a, a month over the summer. And we drove down to Los Angeles one night to the new art yeah. to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was like 12 or whatever, 13. So it wasn't like shocking to me or anything. And I was remember at one point I went to the restroom during the middle of the, I've been before the movie started and some guy all dressed up like, you know, Frankenfurter came in and looked at me and said, like, aren't you a little too young to be here? And I can, I can absolutely remember my response. I looked at him and just very deadpan went, aren't you a little too old to be dressed up like this? Oh, nice. And his face just like fell. Like if, if, if you can picture like yeah. just <laughs> melted and then kind of like, just, I, I felt like I was real hot shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I did also win a uh, costume contest at USC when they did a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nice. Yeah. Who were you? I dressed up as J. Edgar Hoover. So oh, I was awesome. kind of half in drag, half in like a, like a military looking stuff. Uh-huh. You know, the, the topic of some of the songs we've discussed have been like a dance. And I think something like Dead Man's Party and Time Warp kind of in, that's obviously a dance, but I think one fun thing's Halloween, thing Halloween songs do is they invite you into another world. Mm. That, uh, and it's the world of darkness, the world of the cult, the world of liberation. Uh, Rocky Horror is so much about freedom and liberation from the confines of normalcy and suburbia and all those things like that. So I just love that statement that a lot of Halloween songs uh, do. They, you know, you're you're un uh, releasing yourself from your mortal coal coil and your inhibitions. At That's the same true. Time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys. What's your second? Our next choice is uh, a 1958 song by John Zacherly, "Dinner with Draft." A dinner was served for three at Dracula's house by the sea. The orders were fine, but I choked on my wine when I learned that the main course was me. Richard, I foisted this on Richard, and I hope that he fell in love with it a little bit. Oh, I did. Because um, it's just ridiculous. It's bonkers. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe about 10 years ago, eh, maybe less than that, seven or eight years ago, um, my wife Emily was given a great collection of like old 1950s uh, and 60s, like uh, just rock songs. And there's a whole like 20- Was this a wedding present, by the way? <laughs> that would have been fantastic. We, we've only been married two years. Uh, but it was just this great, like, huge list of, like, 1950s, goofy, yeah. like, monster rock and nonsense. And this Not the monsters <laughs> of rock. Different thing. <laughs> and this song always stood out because of just the bad punning and the bad rhyming. Yeah. And just the nonsensical lyrics about this guy having a dinner party and all these monsters show up. Mm-hmm. And it was... Very interesting to find out that this happened before the Monster Mash. Uh-huh. That so many of these songs, like I, I guess going into this, I assume that uh, kind of the Monster Mash kind of opened the door for all these other songs. Mm-hmm. But then finding out it was like at the tail end and just yeah. kind of yeah. capitalize on it. I, this song has just stupid lyrics. Uh-huh. I, I love it from top to bottom. One uh, one of the elements that began the trend of all this uh, monster stuff. Was it the uh, release of the Universal Monsters horror films to the- to uh, television? Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, at that point... Yeah, the these, shock package. The shock package. So these things had all been kind of uh, aging in vaults and not really shown in mainstream theaters, maybe except for like uh, drive-ins and things like that. But then when they were released to TV, they all kind of came together as a package. And uh, suddenly the Universal Monsters... Now there were serials and cartoons and all this stuff uh, found a new life and a new audience on television. And I think a lot of the pop culture surrounding monsters such as uh, um, rock and roll songs and music like this was a, was a result of that. Isn't that right, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Vampira and Zachary were the early of, earliest of the horror movie hosts that would, you know, have interstitial segments about these films um i think vampire was more serious and zachary was a little more over the top but that was the thing it was the the movies would be shown i don't know if it was like on sunday afternoons but it was one of the first times that theatrical movies had a real release 
uh, on television. It was a very new thing to have theatrical movies available to watch in your home. And obviously that was, since it was horror movies that kind of were some of the first to do it, that created a, a ripple effect in pop culture, as you described. Mm-hmm. And Zachary was, he's the first of the horror hosts that we've described, actually a guy who was an entertainer delivering yeah. the shock theater package on TV and then leveraged yeah. that platform There's for one in music. Every, every city, yeah. right? I mean, there's Svengoolie Sven yeah. or Goulardi or... There's like 10 in Cleveland for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there were. Yeah. Exactly, of course, passed away just last year, age 98. So he was, uh, he was, uh, he hung on for a long time. Wow. We can't kill him like we did Connie Hawkins, Michael. Take that. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, we are at our halftime and want you to know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, all for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, Audible is an awesome choice. And you, as a listener, are being offered a free audiobook trial with a 30-day free trial that gives you an opportunity to check out their service. Hey, if you like our podcast, you might want to listen to The Halloween Tree by Ray Bradbury and Bronson Pinchot reading The, what? Ha- the Halloween Tree. Does he read it as Balky? I hope Because that so. would be incredible. Or does he do the voice from... Uh... Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, yeah. And I just learned about the Halloween tree at Disneyland. This cool, cool little thing. It's a tribute to Ray Bradbury. What is it? I don't know what it is. It's a tree outside Frontierland that's decorated with orange uh, lights around the holidays, around Halloween, and it's got a plaque that uh, um, acknowledges Ray Bradbury's contribution to to, um, entertainment and his contribution to Disney through his help as a screenwriter on some of his feature films. I think he wrote... Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or a couple of these feature films and he also helped create some of a lot of what Epcot is kind of springs forth from the idea of uh, Bray, Ray Bradbury's optimistic sci-fi vision of the future so especially Spaceship Earth he kind of helped create that yeah so anyway uh, to download your free audiobook uh, today go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore yes folks that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook Ryan, you are one of our listeners of Rushmore, Mont Rushmore Podcast, and we appreciate it. Um, is there an episode that stands out in your brain that you might say, hey, readers, go back and listen to this episode? I, I really love the Bad Candy episode, um, especially when you guys ate the raisinets and said, eh, not so bad. Yeah, Michael's it was very everlasting, <laughs> shame, everlasting shame. I'm glad you could bring that up. Thanks, bud. Well, folks, if you're listening, go back and discover that episode and listen to any other episode you want. And please uh, rate and review. And, you know, do like Ryan and, and talk to us on Facebook. The Mount Rushmore Podcast uh, page on Facebook is there for you to get in the dialogue with us. And then, of course, Instagram and Twitter. And so we... And also, also Live Space. Also Live Space and my face. Uh, Ryan, what's your third choice? You know, I was just I was just wondering as we passed the halfway point, does Adam West have a favorite Halloween song? It's funny you should ask that. <laughs> well, we summoned him back from the dead. He just wafted into oh, the window from the graveyard that he's buried. Oh, sh- sh- shifting off this mortal coil has been so hard. Let me use my bat computer, cramped studio, stinky co-hosts. Why this must be the Mount Rushmore podcast. Am I right? Uh, let me. Oh, no, I had another heart attack. Ah! Oh, Mr. West has departed once again. Once again. <laughs> Got out of that one. Didn't have to answer the question. There was a sign there that said Adam West right before That's he died. Right. It was clearly labeled. I think he might have loved that. Uh, um, what was it? We did a comic book episode, didn't we? Something or, or no, on the Mount Rushmore of, of Soviet Russia or something like that. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Superman. Um, so he, he oh, yeah, Red have, Sun. Red Sun. He might have enjoyed that. How about how about the Batuzi? The Batuzi could be a Halloween song. Just play yeah. it at Halloween. Yeah, Just play the damn right. thing at Halloween. That's right. That's right. It's got a bat in there. The Batman theme song is a great Halloween. Yeah, the Batman theme song. Which I did you did By you Neil, write that? Neil Hefty, Mister <laughs> Mister West. Did <laughs> Mr. you write West. that? <laughs> Okay, so uh, thank you for asking that, Ryan. Uh, we appreciate you throwing a bone to Jeff Hopkins, his his his, his uh, horrible acting career. Okay, so uh, we we is back, and uh, Ryan, what is your third uh, choice? All right, my third choice comes from probably my favorite Halloween album, and I say that because 
on my extensive Halloween playlist, I've got 10 songs by this artist, uh, Rocky Erickson, and the song is I Walked With a Zombie. What I was struck by this is it had zero uh, chorus. There was, there was a, there was it was all verse. Am I right? I walked. Yeah, the lyrics and it's the lyrics to the song in its entirety are, "I walked with a zombie last night." Yeah, so there you go. There was a Facebook commenter that put, "Hey, could somebody post the lyrics?" <laughs> there, I thought was kind of clever. I love this track, and it does seem to fit into the Rocky Horror fold. We in that it has that um, kind of 50s, 60s rock uh, ballad feel to it. Do you agree? Yeah, it's like, I think it's great because it's such a simple song. That's what makes it great. It's got the Be My Baby drum intro. Mm-hmm. Oh, boom, boom, boom. So it's like Phil Spector, 60s girl group song about the undead. Yeah. Uh, uh, t- tangentially, since the lyrics are simply, I walked with a zombie last night, repeat forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, the Crystals did have a song called The Frankenstein Twist, so there really was a 60s girl group song about the undead. But uh, this song, uh, it's a little psychedelic as well, because Rocky Erickson was previously the lead singer for a band called the 13th Floor Elevators, who were one of the earliest psychedelic rock bands, uh, even an early influence on punk rock. And their biggest hit was a song called You're Gonna Miss Me, which is also the name of a documentary about Rocky Erickson's life. I recommend you check that out. Because uh, he's a pretty interesting guy. There's a guy in the band that played a jug, so you know that's prominently <laughs> featured in that song. So there's so the solo music that he did afterwards, because it dealt a lot with his obsession with the occult and monsters and dark things. The album is called The Evil One. Came out in 1981. It's got songs about goblins and vampires, demons. Mm-hmm. There's another song on the album I could have chosen called Creature with the Atom Brain, which is essentially a retelling of the plot of the film of the same name. <laughs> it's more lyrical content than I Walked With a Zombie, for sure. Uh-huh. We are not uh, but I Walked with, walk with a Zombie, also named after a, song, uh, a film, famous horror film, well, so, sort of famous horror film uh, in the zombie genre, came out in 1943, produced by Val Luton and directed by Jacques Tourneur, who also worked together on a movie you might have heard of called Cat People, a little more famous than oh, yeah. I Walked yeah. With a Zombie. So it doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, obviously, but I just love the feel. It's it's psychedelic because it's got that meandering guitar. It's got the, you know, just kind of the hypnotic tone to it. It's and I love Rocky Erickson as a performer. Uh, he's just got such a great voice, such a great mm-hmm. presence, and it's simple, but it's a great song. My wife was said if I didn't include this song in my playlist, she would have been pretty upset. Oh, <laughs> there we go. So was this before or after Rocky Erickson started to believe he was an alien? This was after he was, okay. um, I think he might've put out an album as Bleeb alien. Uh, yeah. but this was the, the, the band was Rocky Erickson and the aliens for this album. So yeah, he definitely was, he had spent time in a, in a mental institution, which was sort of involuntary because he was, he was arrested for having one joint and they made him plead in insanity as opposed to, I guess you're throwing the book at him. So he spent 10 years in a mental institution in Austin, I believe. But he was still, he still had some, some mental health issues. And so this was kind of an, his lyrics are, are clearly um, reflecting that. But the music is fantastic. You know, I feel like he yeah. could say, I slept with an angel last night. And that's, for me, the, the uh, subtext of it. Just He seems very passionate. It almost seems like he was in love with the zombie that he kind walked Kind of manic. With. There's a manic quality yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's so emotional. You know, that's funny that I, I don't know if, I, would, I guess I'll wait to see if anybody comes up with this. But like the... The uh, Wesley Willis vampire bat. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Doesn't he switch to the vampire bird at some point? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Then I, does he start talking about the rock and roll McDonald's and that song at some point? <laughs> well, you could make a, if you want a really depressing, like, like double oh. feature at home, you could do uh, the Rookie Erickson documentary, yeah. the Daniel Johnston documentary. Uh. Just do those back to back. Really, uh. really have a, a, play that for your Halloween in fact. Just have that looping with, the, with our, our choices. Johnson. Daniel Johnson also, uh, all throughout my playlist, I think I have six or seven songs of his on my Halloween playlist. He's got a lot of songs about some dark imagery, too. Mm-hmm. 
So is there something about like outsiders and musical outsiders where they tend to be gravitate to this sort of you know, yeah. type of thing that they're interested in, this mm-hmm. sort of like darker sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, it's, it's otherworldly, it's fantastical, it's mysterious, it's fun. I think none of the universal monsters were um, were warmly welcomed by society. <laughs> they're, they're all outcasts who were largely misunderstood. Their intentions, uh, hey, I love you. I might be a creature from the Black Lagoon, but I just want to hug you. They call me Mr. Gilman. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll be addressed as Mr. Gilman or nothing. Uh, Okay, guys, what's your third? All right, so our third one. Let me just see Ryan's kicking your ass right now. Oh, as as, as I fully expected. Okay, okay. Um, Our third one is another band that I know on Ryan's playlist has multiple uh, songs, and for good reason. It's the Misfits. And we went with the song Halloween, although we could have gone with eight or ten different, like, misfit songs that all would have been appropriately, like, ghoulish and spooky and whatever. And I was a big misfits fan growing up. Uh, I know, Michael, you were less less so, I think. It's yeah, not really, really, that's not really in your wheelhouse. Never really caught on with me. The only My only connection to the Misfits is uh, when I get out Going of the shower in- and I, I do the... Uh, uh, Von Frankenstein hairstyle. Oh, that's good. <laughs> right down, right down the middle. That's that's about it. So, kids. So, the Misfits before they were a hot topic brand <laughs> um, were, I think, probably the the first, maybe. Maybe if you want to call the cramps this as well, but kind of the the ghoul punk or movement, they were this punk rock band, but almost all of their songs were kind of set with this fascination of sci-fi movies and 50s and B-movies B and that kind of universal horror thing. And the lyrics to these songs could be quite perverse, but at the same time, Glenn Danzig had a, a knack for writing these songs with these really perverse lyrics and this really kind of fast, aggressive music, but also with really great melodies. Yeah. So they were also sounded kind of poppy and mm-hmm. upbeat. Mm-hmm. And then the lyrics were just like go completely off the rails. Yeah. And I had a lot of friends that were Misfits fans. When I started getting into punk rock, like when I started going to high school and met my, my friends who got me really into it, and I do remember later on and we managed to convince, like right around the time Mother came out, by dancing, we managed to convince a bunch of girls at school that Glenn Danzing had actually been a professional bodybuilder. Well, he was pretty ripped, though, right? But not a professional no. bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, no, that no, was no. that was the joke that we had. Yeah. we managed to make them think he'd actually been. Like, oh, okay. Before, so that was <laughs> you showed them. Yeah. <laughs> take 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 that high school girls who wouldn't date me. Yeah, I love this the song too. Seems like they added in some atmospheric effects. To it, like some wind or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they were. They, they, this was one of the early songs, so it was probably recorded on. A, a, to be yeah. generous, a, a, a shoestring budget yeah. at best. Yeah. So that's a fun song. Uh, what What is it? Do you think about the these bands that have they kind of live in that world forever? Like for Tim Burton to do a Halloween movie, not that much of a stretch, <laughs> right? But actually, probably in the to the Misfits, they would have the impression that this was a different song because they. They don't think all the music sounds alike. They don't think that all the music deals with these themes in the same way. Well, I think they maybe did. You think so? Well, but if you're going to write a song, I mean, about like Halloween, the first, the first verse is sort of just like explaining what Halloween is. Second yeah. verse is you talking about. I remember Halloween. There's like you know, yeah. bonfires and pumpkin faces. Second verse starts with dead cats hanging from poles. Little yeah. dead are out in droves. I remember Halloween. It goes on to talking about burning bodies hanging from poles and candy apples and razor blades. Yeah. If you take that shit too seriously and you're writing that, you're going to get carted away Yeah, to jail for a long time because you're probably like a, an actual like psychopath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, then you have to know that this is being done with a a, a big, you know, doll, heavy dollop of yeah. um, sarcasm yeah, or, yeah. or not taking it too seriously mm-hmm. at least. Okay, uh, Ryan, it's time to wrap it up with your last choice, and then we'll see if these guys can come can counter with anything decent. All right. I could have gone with a song just simply titled Halloween, and the Misfits song is, of course, a good one, as you guys chose. I could have gone with 
Su- Susie and the Banshees, Halloween, or Dead Kennedys, Halloween, mm-hmm. or Ministries, Every Day is Halloween, or any other number of songs with Halloween in the title. But I decided to give a little bit of props to probably my favorite band out there right now. They've got a lot of songs that uh, the imagery and their lyrics and their sound fits with the Halloween mood. And that would be the Ravenettes with the song Attack of the Ghost Riders. That's a hell of a good song. Uh, I, They're an incredible man. I saw them in Seattle and a bunch of years ago, and just the two of them were so fucking awesome. And they played this song, and it was just driving and just incredible. I'm so glad to hear you guys appreciate the band. I don't think I, I know a lot of people that are into them, that, that know of them, and I wish more people would be because I, I've been lucky enough to see them once as well. I saw them in St. Louis at the Firebird in 2011, um, and they were it was just incredible. One of the best shows I've been to just because I love their music so much. Um, anyone who's not familiar with them, uh, they're, a, you know, they're a duo. They've had touring musicians from time to time, but it's just the two of them, the uh, Suna Rose Wagner and Sharon Fu. They're from Denmark. They're um, they kind of sound like the Everly Brothers meets Jesus and Mary Chain meets Suicide. They've got a lot of cool like shoegaze noise going on. Um, a lot of fifties style. Yeah, there's uh, the, the big fif- the big fifties vibe on them. I think was what originally drove you know kind of uh, keyed me into them. And I remember just it. It's funny, you know. I think Jeff mentioned earlier, like, do the misfits know? that they're making kind of the same, or Richard mentioned, they're kind of making the same sort of type of music. And I think that the 1950s is like a decade that some people can't get out of their way from. I think that there's like a rockabilly aspect of, like if you're in rockabilly, you're like, that's your lifestyle. And everything is kind of around that. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're certainly not rockabilly, but there's just such like this 50s aesthetic to them that I don't think they'll ever kind of escape from, and maybe they keep pushing it forward. Right. And I mentioned the Cramps. I mean, that's another yeah, yeah, band yeah. That, that, you know, the male-female sort of two-person rockabilly-themed group. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. And is it the paired-back aspect? I think of the, how the Ramones kind of helped invent punk by going back to early rock and presenting its spare, stripped-back uh, element um, again in a new way that uh, a lot of people to kind of examine it again it seems like the did the ravenettes is the album that this is on uh is the name what's the title of the album because i think you kind of checked it earlier d minor what was it yeah it's the album it's their first ep it's called whip it on eight songs uh all in b flat minor and uh it was released in 2002 and i first discovered the band with this song and the music video uh, related to this song, if any of you remember mp4.com, which was, <laughs> as its name suggests, the video version of mp3.com. So artists could put their music videos up, independent artists, lesser known artists, what have you. And I just kind of, I guess maybe it was a featured video at the time. I saw it and it was, it's super cool. It's like a, like a movie trailer for like this real pulpy kind of uh, 50s movie shot in black and white, really high contrast film noiry type look. There's a convict, he's executed in the electric chair when his girlfriend is there watching and then she leaves, goes out into the alley and he shows up at the end on a motorcycle with the blazing skull, the ghost rider, and the title of the song just appears on the screen. It's it's a very cool video, you should check it out on YouTube if you can. And it's, it's my introduction to the band and I, I kind of loved them from the start. Yeah, and they were a band, again, with the iconography kind of certainly played up the uh, kind of camp, you know, say 50s, as B movie aspect of it, a lot of their album covers. I seem to remember having that the sort of I don't know whatever the what I, I'm assuming it's whatever the stock scary movie yeah. font that came with Microsoft <laughs> Word. Yeah. It's, the same, <laughs> it's the same thing you would see on any Rocket from the Crypt uh, album mm-hmm. cover as well. But so they're or kind of like a movie poster for like a Teens Gone Wild type cautionary tale yeah. or like Reefer Madness type thing, you know. And they worked on their on their first two full length albums. They were produced by Richard Goderer, who of course wrote 
my boyfriend's back and I want candy. And so they had oh, wow. an actual connection to the same you know, music that they were clearly so inspired by in, in Denmark, the American pop music that really mm-hmm. transcended uh, culture. Hmm. Okay, uh, guys. Guys, what's the last one? <laughs> the, the last one now. Um, as your Warren Zevon podcast of record from a few weeks ago with the L.A. Songs episode, we thought we had to go back to this well. We were, I, I was personally, even though I love the idea when Michael pitched it, I thought, yeah, do we go back to the Warren Zevon well? But the song's too good. I don't think we can get away from it. And it is, of course, Excitable Boy. No, it's Werewolves of Paris. <laughs> uh, by, by Warren Zevon. Uh, perhaps the greatest uh, single uh, opening line of any song. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein song that was like written in 15 minutes almost as a joke by, by Warren Zevon and a couple of the guys in his band. Uh, he was the, before he got a, a kind of a recording contract for himself, he had been a uh, the, the, the musical director, I guess it was, for, I think it was Phil Everly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And Phil Everly, he, Warren Zevon was in the studio like doing some demos with Jackson Brown and Phil Everly came in and talked about having seen this B-movie on TV the other night called Werewolves of London, and he thought that would make a good title for a song. Uh, and literally, it was just Warren Zevon and a couple of guys in the band for about 15 minutes just bouncing like lyrics off of mm-hmm. each other. And Warren Zevon's wife was there and just kind of like wrote down everything. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they showed up, and one of the guys had a hook for it, and which was the mm-hmm. guitar part, and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Was that American Werewolf in London, or it's a... Werewolves. No, it was London. a different movie. Oh. Uh, this was like a fifties movie, just called Werewolf, Werewolves of London. Ah, oh. it's amazing. It, actually, this song is not featured in uh, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Must have been, I'm guessing, some sort of rights deal or something. Who knows? Mm. But, and it was a song that Warren Zevon really hated at first. Oh yeah, it's like that classic thing where it's like the, you know, you put together, you know, you work for months on this album. Yeah. Then in, in, you put together this bullshit song in 15 minutes. It's kind of throwaway. Yeah, and everybody loves it. And then the label loves it and wants to make that the single. And you're like, why don't you, the song? Why, why are you doing that? Yeah. And then of course it's a hit. And then you have to play it for yeah. the next 20 years. Congrats, Mr. Zappa. Valley Girl is number one. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. Except I think even Warren Zevon later on is like, I think it was a quote, something like, "Look, yeah, that's a novelty song, but it's not like a novelty song like, you know." The Monster Mash yeah. or something like that. Like it's a it's a smart song for uh-huh. dumb people. I think is what he called it. Yeah, I, I always I always like like the imagery of just like a very dapper werewolf. Yeah, sure. I yeah. always imagine like his hair of, is perfect. His hair was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I always imagine that like maybe it was slang for just something British that I just didn't yeah. didn't know. He's just yeah. one of those werewolves of London. And you're like, oh yeah, I don't know. And I, I, in his nice suit. And I do love the fact that it is essentially about trying to start a dance craze. Called the Werewolf of London. Oh, okay. They're talking about doing the werewolf. You know, they saw yeah. Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr. doing the Werewolves of London. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was the other part of it. Phil Everett was like, "Yeah, you should uh-huh. probably make a dance craze called the Werewolves of London." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> I, I don't know what exactly dance steps would go into the Werewolves uh-huh. of London. I imagine it'd be a lot of swinging your arms back and forth like a T, like yeah. a T Rex kind of arms thing, like yeah. that. Mount Rushmore of dance crazes. <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up. Well, that'll be great for Perhaps audio. A jump to the left and then a step to the right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Perhaps. Yeah, it'll be great for audio, you guys. The Dance Craces episode. <laughs> wow, perfect. <laughs> well, guys, uh, what a great, great uh, trip down memory lane because a lot of these songs I've enjoyed throughout the years and especially around the bringing back Halloween's past and then history. I feel like we got into this history of rock and roll, the history of, of cinema a little bit, and some really great choices. I'm you know, it's my uh, dubious uh, honor and tough job that I have at the end of the podcast is to judge who the winner is. And I'm going to have to say right now, um, none of you win because nobody mentioned this song. Ryan, you may know it. It's by the Shags. Oh, the Shags. It's called It's Halloween. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Yes. The Shags, which. Maybe one of the most brilliantly flawed acts. The greatest band in the world, the Shags. Yeah. 
This is the type of shit I listen to on my on, on Spotify or something that drives Sarah absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> Maybe they can team up with the moldy peaches. Yeah. <laughs> or John Zorn. Yeah, it's, it's no worse than John Zorn, really. Yeah. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, Ryan is the winner. That's right. Thanks so much for gracing us with your uh, intellect Woo-hoo. and uh, all your very uh, thoughtful and thought-out selections. Uh, Ryan's selections, of course, were... Um, they were, of course, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo, Time Warp, uh, by, I guess, part of the Rocky Horror soundtrack. I guess that's a Richard O'Brien joint. I think it's a joint, Richard, Richard O'Brien, O'Brien joint. Yeah. joint. Uh, the Ravenettes. Uh, what's the name of the song, Ravenette song? Attack of the Ghost Riders. Okay, and the Misfits song, which was what? That's Halloween. That, that was, was mine. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. What was, uh, what was your last choice? My third choice was Rocky. Eric. Rocky. I, walked, I, walked I walked with a zombie. zombie. I walked with a zombie. God, perhaps, I'm the they worst say, judge. perhaps they didn't say it enough in the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Did they need to repeat it a few more times for you, Jeff? <laughs> What's the title of this song? Give me a C. You bounce C. Well, Ryan wins. Uh, I don't have to really rehash all his uh, winning moves, but they were great. And Rich, Richard and Michael did a pretty good job. Well, uh, this went about as well as I thought it would. <laughs> we were going to get our asses kicked. I brought in a Halloween well, music are, expert. What are the four choices? What are the four are choices? all four of them Ryan's, or is, are you going to throw us a nope. bone in? Nope. Ryan wins. Nope. Ryan wins it all. Ryan gets it all. Well, we, I can record this for posterity. Your, your Jeff said, sure. Goose eggs. Your Goose pro- eggs. Get the brooms your, out, boys. Your prize will be in the mail within four to six months. I just want to attract f- uh, future guest uh Tour the show by saying, "Here's a place you can beat up on some chumps." <laughs> the Rocky Horror. Uh, so uh, have have a spooktacular Halloween. Oh, everyone. Ryan, where, where can we find you on oh, uh, on, yeah, on yeah. the uh, on the social media if people want to follow you? So, if you want to be my 38th follower, you can follow me at Nerd Taxi on Twitter, and that's really about it. I'll I'll post something. Uh, at least once a day that's completely pointless so you can uh, get a quick laugh out of it maybe or or whatever you don't have to i don't cool. really care but if you want to check out my full halloween playlist i'll make sure to get the guys a link that they oh, can perfect. share on their social media and if you don't want the full length version i have a, a shorter version i'm preparing for halloween this year if you want something for your party a couple hours long uh, you can choose if you want to listen to the full forty-four hour playlist. You're more than welcome. Oh, to I'm having it. a I'm having a forty-four yeah, hour party this, this year. That's great. Yeah, why not? Why, well, go big. Go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Hey, all you clans! I just followed, big when you I just followed Ryan on there. So sweet. So who, someone gets to be thirty-nine. <laughs> so it's Nailed at it. Nerd Taxi, our guest. Or, Ryan Love. Or, or look for the RBA baseball message boards. Yeah, I don't do message that. Boards. We're, you don't do that. We've got a sandwich draft happening right now, guys. It's very, very exciting I drafted stuff. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, guys. <laughs> That's a pretty good sandwich. Okay, guys. This has been the Spooktacular Matt Rushmore podcast. I have always been I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. Good night, Des Moines. I'm Michael. And say goodbye, Ryan. Goodbye, Ryan. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.